my friend. My friends. Whoever you are. If you're there, now would be a wonderful time to reach out. I would say that it's the solitude that's getting to me, as usual, but that's not quite true, is it? I don't know if you'd quite call it company, but I've had something. I'm assuming that it's still my hunter from long ago who visited me last week, for the first time in centuries. I know that I'm not mad, and I know that he was here last week, but am I entirely sure? No. I know what I saw, but I'm not sure what exactly it was. Just that I saw it. Him. And that ever since I've not been totally alone. I would like to believe that it's him. I do miss him terribly, but... Whatever this is that walks with me now, it is unkind, it is angry, it tries to rattle me, and it succeeds. It throws things around whichever room I'm in, it tugs on my hair or clothes when I prowl the streets at night and keeps me from the hunt, it whispers incoherent nonsense in my ear when I try to close my eyes. If I drift off to sleep, it pushes me awake. I'm not afraid. I'm furious. I do not need sleep to survive, but I told you, I am tired. I'm so tired these days since I've been running, since I know a formidable trio of enemies hunt me now. I try not to, but... I've grown accustomed to hunting again. It gives me strength. It keeps me alert. Especially when I'm so, so very tired. And if I could sleep, even for a day or so, it could give me the stamina to keep going for a little while. If I could successfully hunt even just once, I could perhaps make it. Make it for just a little longer until I know I'm safe. But he won't let me. I'm exhausted. I'm haunted. And even more than all of that, I'm alone. If only he would talk to me. If only he'd appear again. If it is him. My hunter from so long ago. My old enemy and my... My friend. Give me a reason. Do you hear me? Give me a reason to be better. And I will be better. See? Silence. Nothing. He doesn't care. Good. I wanted to be alone anyway. Alone with you, at any rate, my friend. My silent friend. I've been thinking about this. About sleep and silence and solitude and company and fear. Is that new? <laughs> no. But I remembered a story. 
There was once a man, a wealthy gentleman, a nobleman of about fifty years or so. He had had his time among the world. He had traveled. He had tried going to parties and drinking and loving, but it didn't stick. You see, he tired of the company of others. In fact, he even doubted whether he had ever had the taste for it or not. Now that he was older, he decided he had tried long enough to fit in with society. He wanted to be alone. He purchased a large manor house in the country, at least a four hours ride away from any other community. He arranged for food, wine, candles, and other necessities that a wealthy man could afford to be brought for him once a week. He intended to live here alone and relish his privacy for the rest of his days. He lived simply, and so he decorated the place simply, if decorated is a word you could apply to it. He had a few luxury items that he felt were a decadence, a library full of books, a lavish writing table, a piano, a fully stocked bar. The estate had beautiful large ponds on the grounds and garden trails, and a large stable in which he only kept his one horse. He could live happily here for the rest of his life, and he was thrilled to start this solitary stage. The quiet of the country gave him peace and fulfillment that he never found in high society, nor in bohemian slums, in his home country, or in any other exotic and entrancing place he visited. This was what he wanted. It felt right. He was given a key to the front door, and a skeleton key to the rest of the house. Any door that he might need to access could be unlocked or locked with it. And there was only one skeleton key ever made for the house, and it was in his hands. He kept it safe, thinking it may come in useful someday. Not soon, though. The gentleman passed his first day in his new home, directing the movers, organizing his new home so that it would be exactly to his liking. He begrudgingly put up with the rough men carrying his precious belongings for as long as he had to. And when they left in the evening, he was relieved to stand in his front hall and hear... Absolutely nothing. The silence was sacred to him. Only perhaps the wind outside of his door, or a passing bird. It was everything he had dreamed of and more. And he went to bed that night, unafraid of the complete darkness and stillness and silence that surrounded him. Though, just as he fell asleep, he thought he heard a distant, soft sound, something akin to a long wail or a cry, perhaps an animal in the distance. When he woke up that morning, he had forgotten it entirely. The sun was shining, his new estate was beautiful, he intended to enjoy it. He made himself a breakfast, he organized his library, he brought out his fishing rod and went fishing by the pond. He rode his horse through the trails. And by the time the sun began to set, he was still outside exploring and roaming around, though he knew he'd best head inside soon. As he turned back to go home, having packed up his whip and saddle and fishing rod, the gentleman stopped in his tracks. As he looked up to his mansion, he saw, in the window of his bedroom, a figure of a woman 
looking down at him. He quickly ran inside, ran up the stairs, and threw open the doors to his room. No one was there. He went through the halls, calling out. No one answered. He couldn't send for anyone to help him, remember. No police, no authorities, nothing. The downside to his dream home was that he was indeed all alone. Though apparently he wasn't quite. He explored every single room on every floor. No one was there. He was certain he was alone. There was, however, one room. It was at the end of the hall on the top floor. He went to open it, but it was locked. He recalled that it had been locked ever since he'd arrived. He returned to his bedroom to ensure that the skeleton key was where he left it. It was. And he assured himself that if someone had been in his bedroom, they would not have been able to steal the key, enter the mystery room, and return the key. They were not in there. Convinced that the person had either left or had simply been a trick of the dim light of the sunset, he locked up the house and spent the rest of his night trying to forget the incident. He went to bed that night a little less calm and confident. And he heard it again, but louder. Crying. Wailing. If it was an animal, it must be one he'd never heard before. And it must have been in such pain. He stayed up a few hours, trying to drown it out with wine and with a pillow shoved over his ears. Eventually, he was so tired that he did fall asleep. But it was a restless sleep, one fraught with nightmares of other people in his home. The next day passed well enough, with him forgetting mostly about the strange events of the day and night before. He spent the day much in the same way, though mostly indoors, perhaps a little uneasy and hoping that, in the very off chance that someone was in the house or someone entered the house, he would know it. But no one was inside except him. Good. He ate his dinner and then retired to the salon, where he quietly played the piano to himself, sipping his brandy. Outside the window, he was sure of what he saw this time. A woman stood there, at the window outside the salon, watching him. She had a small smile on her face, seeming to have enjoyed the piano. She seemed a little sickly, a little pale, but otherwise seemed well-dressed in an expensive-looking cloak, and with her hair well coiffed. She was not a vagrant. And what was she doing here? He walked to the window and shouted, What do you want? She didn't answer. But the smile on her face disappeared as she saw he was displeased. He felt a little heartless, but letting in a stranger not only was unpleasant to him, but dangerous. She must have a motive. She didn't seem to be in distress. She didn't appear to need help. She may have been sick, perhaps, but she seemed calm enough. Where did you come from? He shouted. Why are you here? She seemed to sigh, though he couldn't hear it. Her eyes lowered. She touched the glass with her hand, waiting for a moment, perhaps, for him to change the cruel expression on his face. And then she turned and walked away into the night. 
He lost sight of her almost immediately as she walked into the shadows. He quickly finished his brandy, muttering to himself, wondering what the strange girl wanted. What she was playing at, where she could possibly live that she could comfortably come and visit just to listen to him play piano. It was mind-boggling. He put himself to bed that night, his eyes wide open and staring at the ceiling. Sure enough, that horrible wailing could be heard again. But this time it was so loud he knew there was no way that he would be able to get to sleep. He went into the hall where it only seemed louder. He ran downstairs and threw open the front door. At this point, a terrifying realization struck him. It wasn't coming from outside. He shut the door, and the wailing was even louder than before. It was coming from upstairs. He lit every lamp he could find, illuminating the whole manor. He went into every single room he could find. No one, no one, no one, until he reached the end of the hallway, on the top floor. It was coming from behind the locked door, distinctly. Scrambling to his room, he retrieved the skeleton key. He also grabbed an axe that was waiting in the hallway. With a deep breath, he unlocked the door the screaming was coming from. He thrust the door open. And it stopped. The room was small. It had no other doors, no closets, no windows. And it was empty. Except for a table with a silk scarf draped on it and, seated perfectly on the scarf, was a human skull. A chill went through his blood as he saw it. He approached it and looked at it. It was clean, clearly well-preserved and deliberately placed there, and locked in. Now, he didn't stop to ask himself how the screaming had happened, or how it had stopped, or what had caused it. At this moment, he knew something beyond him was happening, but, first and foremost, he wanted to get rid of this terrible thing. Grabbing the scarf carefully so that he didn't have to touch the thing, he grabbed it and he took it outside. He would bury it tomorrow, in the daylight, but for now he left it in the stable where it would be safe. And he went back inside the mansion. He locked the door. And he heard screaming outside. Horrible, much worse. And along with it he heard his horse whinnying in terror. He grabbed the axe. He threw open the door. He went to the stable. The screaming sounded stopped, but the poor horse was still shrieking, pacing around, trying to escape. He calmed the thing down, though he himself felt terribly unsettled. He picked up the skull once more and returned to the house. He sat in the salon, placing the thing on the table in front of him, staring into its empty eyes. What do you want? Where did you come from? Why are you here? He took a long, deep swig of brandy. He took the bottle with him as he started going upstairs, thinking he might try to sleep again, somehow. But as he was halfway up the stairs, he turned around to face the salon again. And, sitting on the seat where he had just been, staring at the skull and weeping, 
was the pale young woman. He descended the stairs slowly. He stood in the hall looking at her, just watching her in awe. He slowly entered the salon trying to observe her unnoticed. When she realized he was watching her, she stopped weeping. She stood. She walked towards him, and she somehow managed to walk through both table and skull as she did so. What do you want? He asked her again. She sighed deeply, and he heard the door at the end of the hall upstairs slam. She squeezed her eyes shut as if she were in pain, and the door to the salon slammed shut. And she opened her eyes again, and reached down to touch his hand. He felt the cold of it on his skin, even if he could not feel her skin. He looked into her eyes, which he now realized he could see straight through to the other side of the room, if he focused hard enough. She wasn't really here, was she? Though she seemed to want to be. No, not here, not in the salon, not in the room upstairs, not in the stable. You want to stay with me? he said, finally realizing that it wasn't that the owner of the skull wanted to be laid to rest in a particular place. No, she didn't want to rest. She didn't want to be alone. She wanted to be with him. He gently nodded. He reached down and he picked up the skull gently and carefully and she smiled to herself as he walked with her up the stairs into the bedroom, where he placed her on the nightstand. And she was quiet. And he slept peacefully that evening. And he slept peacefully every evening after that, because he knew never to leave her alone at night. And it surprised him to learn that he didn't really dislike having company after all. I don't dislike your company, my friend. And you know something? I would really love to know that this thing that is plaguing me, following me, keeping me from rest and reprieve, that it is my hunter from so long ago. He who gave me hope. Who made me feel that perhaps all is not lost for me and that I might still be, well, a hero. At least, not a monster. Maybe you can do it again. Just tell me that it's you. Show me. Anything. Please. Ah. There you are.
Hi guys, thanks so much for tuning in this week. This is Kristen Zaza, and this was episode 29 of On a Dark Cold Night. I don't have anything much new to report about the podcast this week, just a few reminders that a huge way to help a podcaster is to review the show on iTunes, Podknife, Stitcher, or anywhere else you can. You can also help out by listening on the free Radio Public app, since I'm a part of their paid listens program. And if you'd like to donate, please check out my page on Coffee and Patreon. So ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight and patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Finally, if you want to write me about anything or keep in touch, you can follow me on Twitter at a darkcoldnight, Instagram at darkcoldnightpodcast, and like my Facebook page. You can also email me at darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening with me. Until next time. <laughs>